All right, now we're recording, so no pressure. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring, a podcast about breast cancer with Jocelyn and Lauren. Whether you have breast cancer or any other kind of cancer or you're just a weirdo who's super <laughs> cancer curious, welcome. We hope you enjoy because breast cancer is boring, but we and you mm-hmm. are interesting. I love it. Welcome! <laughs> Welcome to the show! We're very glad you're here. This is going to be a really, really good episode. Today we have a special guest, and we'll introduce them in a minute. But first, announcements. Countdown to Chemical Freedom. I got my injection today, and I think it was... I, like, either have six or seven more to go. <gasps> I, I, like, I'm not... I'll, like, count down for really real when it's, like, five. Yeah. But I think we're yeah. close. Five is good. Five is, five like is the good. perfect way to... To finalize it. To finalize it. I mm-hmm. think so, too. I think it's going to be great. And then I, I actually haven't, like, thought through what it's going to be like to not be in menopause. So I guess I'll think about that Ooh. later. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to be. I didn't remember. I didn't think about, like, you're going to get your period. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I haven't had a period since about 2018. That. Yeah. Minor so, detail. Like I'm, like, I'm glad. Like, don't get me wrong. I am very happy. To, to, like, get out of this, whatever this is, but, yeah, forgot about that. Of course, my main concern is, am I going to get pimples? Anyway, countdown to London trip, Lauren. What's the what's the update? When are we going? When is it happening? Okay, so we are, we, we have birth certificates, and we have an appointment for passports that apparently has to be made by appointment. Wait, you have an appointment to get your passport? For my kids. Oh, yes, it's because it's like the first one. Right. So both parents have to be present to do this. So it's a whole ordeal. Whoa. Yeah. And again, like you're you're married, you you right. know, cohabitate and co-parent your children. But like, what if right. you were divorced? What if your husband was like someone you had to run away from? Like what I how think does that you work? have to prove like you have to prove that you're divorced. So you'd have to bring your documents. And then even with that, like, I think there's still some sort of legality in getting a child a passport because you can't just like take a child out of the country without the other, especially if you share custody, you wouldn't oh, be able yeah, to I do guess that. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well that, all right. I think that's called kidnapping. Is it kidnapping? It's literally kidnapping because <laughs> they're a child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're working okay. on that. Well, don't do that then. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't kidnap your own children. Don't go to jail. It makes it really hard to do the to, podcast. Or, right, or to go out of the country. Or to go out of the country. Okay, very great. Speaking of out of the country, if the next election doesn't go my way, that's where you can find me. It's about one year away. If you want me to stay in the U.S. of A., please register to vote. You can go to Vote411, and they can tell you if you're registered. And if you're not registered, they can get you to the right place to be registered. They will also let you know if you have upcoming elections, and they right. will parse out like what who the candidates are and what they're into. And then I am a member of the League of Women Voters. It's just a very pro-voting organization. And the reason I like them is they do forums with candidates, especially Mm -hmm. like locally. There's a local chapter. Everybody has one of these. Anyone can join, even though it's the League of Women Voters, you know. I hope that someday we can move on to the League of Person Voters. Yeah. I would love that because that's like it's for everyone. 
but they're nonpartisan and they get candidate like statements from the candidates themselves. So they don't like look at the candidate and like get come up with their own blurb. They ask for position statements from the candidate and then they send them. So I like that. There's less filtering that way. You get it straight from the horse's mouth. (laughs) No. No shade. We're nominated for a Sonic Bloom Award. Until these Sonic Bloom Awards happen, we continue to be nominated. I don't know where they are, and I don't know if they were canceled or not, but I will ride this forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we're finalists. We're finalists for Dynamic Duo. Mm-hmm. And big budget sound, which is hilarious to me, considering every single time we record, we have sound issues. Yeah, that's true. But hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. It's great. Yeah. And then Apple reviews. Ooh. Come on, guys. <gasps> don't be shy. This might be new. I love the gas. I think this is a new one. <sighs> Whoa. That was really Shock. authentic, too. Gasp. Okay, 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 okay. This is from Parasena. Five stars. Yeah. These people are listening to what we ask of them. Okay, so Virazena <laughs> says, I just wanted to say how much I enjoy listening to your podcast. You both are fun to listen to, and it's perfect for when you feel like a conversation but don't have friends who get it, or when you just like feel like being a listener, not a talker. Yeah. Can't relate. Your topics are relatable and always upbeat, even when serious. It's a great way to work through personal feelings and breast cancer, listening to topics on your mind. Thanks for taking the time out of your life to do this for others. It's appreciated. Thank you, Parasena. Yeah, I want to, I really do want to embrace this idea that like this is an altruistic exercise for me, but I think it's selfish. I think I can't keep it inside. Oh my God. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so I am just glad, for me anyway, that the bull comes across as insightful and relatable. That's probably because you're here, Lauren. I think oh. that's probably because of that. No, no. I got it. I, I see the stats. The episodes where you like can't be here because you're a executive with 10 children and trying to <laughs> rescue every dog on the streets of Austin. Mm. The stats way down. I get oh. an email about it. People physically what? write to me. Yeah, they're oh like they're like knocking at your door. Yeah, excuse me, where's Lauren? <laughs> like what are you doing? I hate this. I don't tell you about it cuz it's, you know. Right. I don't want Understood. you to get a big head. Anyway, those are announcements. On today's episode, she does her own research, the doctorate Arguably helps. She's a six-year cancer survivalist. She's going to let you have your cake and eat it, too. She's got a banging social media presence and a skincare routine. I feel like I was very clear about this, Mm -hmm. that I have many, many very specific questions about. (laughs) Somebody hide my wine, because it's Dr. Amy Morris. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Welcome. Thank Thank you you. for being here. I'm still a little... I'm a little shocked you're here. I always feel that way when I see people like on social media and then you're here and I'm like, what? That's so, so cool. I don't know. I, I'm, very- I'm just like, honestly, I'm just some chick sitting in her attic recording a podcast episode, you know? <laughs> I love That's that. That's your attic? <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. cute. I love yeah, that. This so side cute. of it's cute, but that okay. side, you know, is real life. This side is for you. 
This I is love. beautiful. You have like yeah. a plush velvet chair and a plant. Right. And curtains and shelves. Yeah. And art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I have a closet. Yeah. And sometimes I record in the bathroom. Sometimes yeah, she does. Yeah, because I, I bet. Like uh, if I have to yeah. hide from my children. Yeah. Which is a lot. Or the car. Usually I just sit in the car then. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the car yeah. has great acoustics. <laughs> oh, I do love it yeah. for that. What a yeah. smart idea. That's really smart. Okay, yeah. I'm stealing that. You can next steal it. Time. Steal it. Lauren, the coming live from, from the, the back car. of her minivan. <laughs> <laughs> the car nice. crusades. Yeah, nice. this is great. This is this is pretty awesome. Closets also I can endorse. Okay, Amy, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Like what is yeah. I wrote what's your deal, but <laughs> just tell us anything you want us to know. Yeah. Why, what are you doing here? Yeah. So I'm a stage three cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 2016 at the age of 30. So it just came so out of the blue, you know. I was already working in cancer care. That's the irony of all of this. Wow. I had a really strong pull to work in cancer care, and I didn't really understand why. So I pursued this career and then really loved it, you know, like the the people were so kind. The patients are amazing. The drugs are really cool. They're constantly changing and getting better. Mm. And then I was diagnosed myself. And I was like, aha, this is this is why. Like I was meant to be here in this place wow. helping people like me. So I went through my own treatment. I was diagnosed ovarian cancer, stage three. Wow. Big intense surgery to remove the tumor. Underwent intensive chemo. And then I started the long recovery process from that. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, before in my career, I had always focused on helping women in treatment, Mm -hmm. right? When you're getting the chemo, when you're getting the radiation. And then I started my own cancer recovery and remission. And I was like, it is like crickets around here. There is no one helping you Mm -hmm. in recovery. Yeah. Like that oncologist, love them. But he's nowhere to be found anymore. Yeah. No. He doesn't want to see me. Okay. Like the <laughs> cancer center staff, they're like, we you're like you're cured, you know, like you're welcome. And I was like, but wait a, like, wait a second, right? I'm like, this is not who I used to be. Yeah. Okay. So then I kind of got to work, honestly, because I have all this expertise in the area. I was like, if anyone's gonna figure out the fastest and the best way to recover from cancer, it's going to be me. I had the research experience. I had the clinical experience. And now I have the actual real life experience to test it out. I'm like my own guinea pig now. Yeah. And so I just got to it. And so I spent the next couple of years really figuring out what's the best and the fastest way to recover and put this all behind you. Mm -hmm. Stay in cancer remission. Keep your disease stable if you still have disease. Get rid of the side effects of the long-term treatment. What's the best strategy? So that's where I really pursued, did that for myself. And that's still what I do today. So now I run the Cancer Freedom Program where I focus on helping women recover from cancer. Yeah. And I I definitely want to talk more about that too. Can I be like Um, you when I grow up? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For so many reasons, I want an attic office. Mm. And yeah, I just want to be as cool as you are. Oh, yeah, bless. <laughs> pretty much. You were clinical in the oncology space. So I'm a former pharmacist. Okay. 
So oh. I don't practice in pharmacy any longer. I love um, pharmacists. Okay. Ah, oh, okay, like, good. Like you – you have to work with pharmacists to really understand like how brilliant they are. Mm-hmm. And as a nurse, I've worked like in the ICUs when I really started getting like aware of how mm. much weight pharmacy, like for the lay people out there, the pharmacist is the person in the hospital who is keeping your doctor from killing you. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. literally like mm-hmm. you guys know so very much. And I rely so heavily on clinical pharmacists Right now in my job in the emergency department, like in the trauma bay, every time that doctor orders something, I'm like, great. And then I like just sidle over to the pharmacist. And I'm like, hey, no. yeah, he, uh, they, they want to get know. this and like this much. And what do you, what art is that good? Or it's awesome. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I but know. One of it's, your it's awesome to have like that understanding of the drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Understanding of how they work and the side effects of them. Yeah. I think what like got me to move away from actually practicing pharmacy, which I haven't practiced in a few years now. Mm-hmm. But I I just got sick of always using a drug, you know? Because uh, like, you know how we say like a surgeon, oh, a surgeon wants to cut, yes. right? That's what they know. Surgeons cut is cut, to cure. Right? That's what they yep. always say. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? Mm-hmm. But pharmacists want to use drugs because that's what they know. Right. And like for me, I was like, I'm done treating the side effect of a drug with another flipping drug. Hey, all right. That's where I'm at. (laughs) So instead, yeah. So instead I was like, let's just get rid of the side effect, period. Yes. Yes. This is so funny you say that because I was just telling my husband last night, I was telling him about like, I only have like this many more injections and then I can come off of that. And then I can come off the pill and then I can come off the other pill to treat the side effects from the pill and the injection that I have to get. Like it's, it's just like this cascade. cascade. And like, I Mm -hmm. love drugs. Better living through chemicals. I love prescribed drugs and I enjoy the occasional recreational. Legal Mm -hmm legal drug Uh, i'm canadian hey coast coast to coast coast to coast okay you lucky devil but Mm -hmm. but also one of the strengths that i find of most people who are pharmacists is like you guys know how to research Hmm. it seems like you are very literature focused would that be fair to say yeah, I, I absolutely. I describe myself as science-backed right. or evidence-based yeah. or science-driven. And unfortunately, like that has to be said mm-hmm. in the cancer space, yes. Yes. you know? Yeah. Like you have to say, well, I take a science-backed approach. You know, it, it should be assumed mm-hmm. that everyone would do that. Right. But unfortunately, there are, are some fear-instilling people mm-hmm. that try to take advantage of cancer survivors and they're not evidence-based and they're not telling the truth. And so my approach is always going to use the best possible evidence we have now Mm -hmm. that we know works for thousands of people. And I'm going to use it on the women that I work with. Yes. Which, so let's talk about that because I think COVID especially highlighted the idea that we, even in the medical field, Mm -hmm but especially people who aren't used to looking at like the literature, research articles who don't have a way to access them because right. they're behind a paywall or you have to have credentials. Mm-hmm. How it, it just became very apparent that we don't know how to suss out like good evidence from poor evidence, from no evidence, misinformation from disinformation, from just, you know, misinterpretation. 
it it is actually very very difficult to understand research mm-hmm. and you have a doctorate level of research i have a master's level of research we've been in it for years and years and years and yet even yesterday we were having a conversation at work about electrocardioversion versus chemical cardioversion yeah. and mm-hmm. which to do first and man I we had time in the trauma bay, which is very rare, and so sure. I love using ChatGPT to pull up research articles yeah. that I that can yeah. then link to, and then go and because I'll get on there and be like, "Give me all the available literature within the past five years on cardioversion, chemical versus electrical." It's really great for that, and then it pulls it all yeah. up. And even all of us looking at these studies, which there's a very good Canadian study actually, and and just like going through it. We even had to like talk between ourselves, like, well, but what does this really mean? Looking mm-hmm. at the methodology, look at so all that to say, research is really fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's kind a skill of skill in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And we have not done, I don't feel like a really great job in the medical community of creating a bridge for the layperson to understand. We use all of these words, we don't use plain language, right? And so, I guess. Being someone who's in the literature a lot and you, you're, all of your stuff is looks very evidence-based, the things that you say, how, and this is a big question, but how can someone even begin to figure out what does the literature show? Is this person giving me good evidence or are they trying to sell me something or are hmm, they just trying yeah. to enrich themselves or just like, are they just misinformed? Right. Like yeah. how does a person do that? I think, yeah, that is a tough question, right? And I think it really starts with, like, knowing more about who the person is that's talking to you. Mm. Like, people send me things all the time. They're like, what do you think about this? And it'll be an Instagram reel from Joe Blow who happened to have cancer himself. Like, respect, okay? But that does not make you in and of itself an expert. Right. So – I'll always go, okay, well, like, who is this person? And actually, if you follow any of Jen Gunther's stuff. I love Dr. Jen Gunther. (laughs) I love her. Also Canadian, yes? Yeah, she's from Winnipeg. So honestly, like, right now she's on a big tangent where she's like, just Google the person. Like, Google them, right? Okay, yeah. And when you Google them, all sorts of stuff come up and the criticisms come up too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And then at least you're informed. Yeah. Yes. Right? At least right. you know, like, if other people are saying this person's full of shit, then maybe they are, but maybe they're not, but maybe they are. And then you, at least you have some idea. Right. But I think, like, what I hear online a lot is people saying, like, do your own research, right? I want to make sure I do my own they research. They do mm-hmm. say that. Oh, it used to be a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's just mainstream. Yeah. Like, so – what I'll always compare this to is like if I take my car to the mechanic, like I am going to try to be informed, right? Yeah. Now, sure. whether I do a quick Google search, whether I call my dad and ask him, like, does this seem legit? Whatever yeah. that looks like. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm not saying to the mechanic, well, why don't we just rub coconut oil on it instead, you know, and see if that works, you know? So like at the end of the day, I'm sort of be like, well, you're the expert. Like help guide me. If I trust you, I mean, if your I'm car is severely money, right? dehydrated, maybe some coconut oil. <laughs> maybe it needs an IV. Just like put the shine back in, but like for the innards, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, even look, 
like using your same analogy, I got a quote from my mechanic. I wanted my door uh, on my remote. It wouldn't unlock my driver door. The uppity down thing that locks and unlocks it was stuck. And they were going to charge me $400. And I was like, okay, I can roll down the window and do it myself. But so I got on YouTube and I was able to figure out how to fix your, it's your door actuator motor. And you Mm -hmm. have to take the entire inside of your door out and like do it. And I did it. I was messy. I cut myself a bunch of times, (laughs) but it worked and I did it. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't apply though to if there's a problem with my transmission Mm-hmm. Or if right. I, which I know to be true, I'm having, there's like a, my oil is leaking into my, I don't know what it's called. It's something that your car, I, I actually cannot think of the name, but people like steal them sometimes out of your cars, apparently. Your catalytic converter. Catalytic converter. Thank you, Lauren. I don't fucking know what that thing is or what it does. So like, yes, can I fix my door actuator motor? Absolutely. Can I fix my, tra- like... It's not just like the one thing or the other thing. There's like layers to this. Mm-hmm. So can you figure out maybe how to like manage your hot flashes with some over-the-counter stuff? Maybe. But mm-hmm. that doesn't also mean that you can cure your cancer, as you so poignantly said, with coconut oil. Like it doesn't apply. Just because you were able to hack this small area doesn't mean that now this applies to everything that happens with your body. I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm like giggling, but I, I get it because you're absolutely right. Like it could be misinterpreted by the lay person that doesn't understand it. By any person. Totally. Really? Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that we have failed as people with medical backgrounds Mm. is that I mean, rightfully so. We weren't taught how to like market ourselves to people, right? No. We weren't taught how to run an Instagram profile and there was no class in nursing school for that. (laughs) No, because like any level. No, even when I talk to like my colleagues in that who still work in that very traditional space, like they think all of that would be a vanity project, right? Mm. Yes. They don't necessarily like see the value in speaking to people in a way that they can digest it. And when you see a lot of people with medical backgrounds, their social media accounts are really boring. Mm, like, yes. They're dry. Very inconsistent you know? and sparse and change tone often as with I feel, ours. Are you speaking? I'm like, are you speaking by yourself? That- I'm talking about me. I just, no. I, I, I don't. Social media, when I see it and it works, I'm like, yes, this is it. This is, this is it. And then I'm like, how do I do that? And it's, I'm completely lost. And I feel really bad, Lauren, because I'm doing us both a disservice, (laughs) but I'm trying. And like, there's a, you know, there's a couple things I can do and then I'll forget about it for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, I'm trying. Yeah. But the people who are- Every time you show up, you're taking like the right step. Yeah. And right. if it's inconsistent, that's fine. Like, yeah. Guilt yourself. You're still showing up. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I'm also tired. And yeah, oh right. my gosh. Every time there's that feeling, I don't know if you get this, Amy, because your content is very strong and it feels very like personable. And that's like the magic of it. And mm-hmm. I just don't know how that's happening because I yeah. don't know if you get this feeling, but every time I film anything afterwards, I'm like, oh God, that was a mistake. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have put that out there. This is terrible. I think it's like it's more – I think about it as more about storytelling 
right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I want to just tell a story. And that's that's really how I got my start in social media. Mm-hmm. That's how, you know, Dr. Amy on Instagram kind of came to be, right? Yeah. I just started I started on Facebook in 2016. Mm-hmm. And at the time, something that was quite novel was to do a Facebook Live, right? Oh, yeah. no, but, but I Facebook Lived my myself answering people's questions oh, cool. while I got my chemotherapy. Oh, wow. Whoa. Yeah. That's awesome. So Where did you people... find the energy for that? Yeah, no kidding. I don't – Like I in between crying. Like... <laughs> I was just – like it, I felt like I was in a place where like I was the person to do it, you know? Because mm-hmm. like yeah. I'm like, here I am. I know so much about yeah. what's going on and now yeah. I'm going to do it myself. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of mystery around cancer. Yeah. Like we fear it because we don't know what it's like to walk through it. Right. And what we associate with cancer is death. Mm -hmm. And that is not the reality for a lot of women any longer. Right. So if we can show people that it's not clouded in mystery and it's not a death sentence, Mm -hmm. then it becomes just like a lot more doable if someone else is diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's that's awesome. And I'm also exhausted just thinking about <laughs> you in a chair getting chemo. And doing a Facebook And also live. doing, yeah, a public service announcement. Yeah. Like <laughs> one after the other after the other. <laughs> um, I want to talk about like some of the very specific things you talk about on your Instagram, which is like these myths around what you can and can't eat, what you what you can and can't do, like for specifically like recurrence or prevention or just like to live. And this is where I get a little nervous. So first of all, I feel like life after cancer is meant to be lived. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. You are not here to punish or deprive or be fearful or anxious. Like you are meant to like live your life, right? Yeah. And for me, and everyone's different, okay? Okay. But for me, alcohol, it has a piece in that. Yeah. Okay? Now, the piece that it serves in my life, it is smaller than it used to be, mm-hmm. okay? I don't drink like on a weekday night any longer Whereas before yeah. I would have, right? I would have come home or well, I work from home. So I would have come out of my office <laughs> and, and had a craft beer, a glass of wine. Like I would have done something like that. Yeah. Also, I'm mm-hmm. from like a long line of drinkers. Like my family, they like, they love, they love to booze it up. Okay. Okay. So like socially, like mm-hmm. everyone's doing that, right? Right. I see. Yeah. But now I feel like after cancer, I've gotten a bit older. So I definitely drink less, and mm-hmm. I also use non-alcoholic alternatives now. Mm-hmm. Whereas like before, what? like there's so many better options now mm-hmm. for like okay. non-alcoholic beers, non-alcoholic yeah. cocktails. Like, Ooh. so I'll have a drink, and then I'll like switch to non-alcoholic. Like non-alcoholic Heineken is one of my favorites. Is good. Yeah, it tastes just like Heineken. Hell yeah! I didn't yeah. thought about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. I mean, I'm still. Still gonna partake, but we do we do know that alcohol increases your risk of cancer or cancer yeah. recurrence. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some people do say to me, like, why not just quit? Just don't do it at all. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then I'm like back to that point. Like, if I go out on a date with my husband, like 
we went out for our anniversary and we split a bottle of wine because yeah. that's yeah, fun. Because it's yeah. lovely. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you travel. Like I just <laughs> cough, cough, hung, humble brag. But I just got back from Europe <laughs> and Italy. As you do. As you, mm-hmm. as one does. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not going to be in Italy and not have, you know, Italian wine. Oh my wine, gosh, you have to. It's like so part of the amazing. protocol. Amazing. Yes. They like, yes. they throw you into the ocean if you don't. Yeah. And it was just lovely. An odd Aperol <laughs> spritz here and there was just lovely, as yeah. was gelato yeah. and croissants and, uh-huh. you know, multiple cappuccinos in the yeah. day and it just seems like the message you get when you have cancer during or after and i mm-hmm. got this from multiple sources and it's kind of the shaming thing where it's like you shouldn't be drinking caffeine alcohol you shouldn't be taking in sugar or carbs mm-hmm. so i how feel like come, those are the like big how ones. come the rest of the world has taken the stance against food rules right mm-hmm. like right. this anti-diet no food rule culture, but cancer survivors get it like twofold yeah. than everyone else. Yes. Like I no thanks. I don't think so. I don't like it. Mm-mm. But aside from my own feelings, where where is the literature on these things? Yeah. So I think if we're really gonna use a science-backed approach, if yeah. we're really gonna look at the literature, then there's really two foods that increase your risk of cancer. Okay. Okay. Two. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. So I really want cancer survivors to think about their world as a place that's safe. Mm-hmm. Like, start with the baseline idea that things are safe. Okay. And then remove the two foods that increase your risk of cancer or limit them, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's it. Okay. Okay. So the two foods, we've already talked about one. It's alcohol. Yeah. Okay. And the second one is processed meats. Mm -hmm. So those are the two foods that increase your risk. And that's it. I'm not saying no sugar, no dairy, meat, no X, X, X. Those things have never been linked to increasing your risk of cancer. Sugar has never been linked? Sugar has never been linked to increasing your risk of cancer. Like, hmm. now that blows my mind because what is the one thing they hyper-focus on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sugar. They always yeah. tell you, like, yeah. oh, sugar feeds cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could put it on a See, T-shirt. You'll, you'll get lots of nasty comments now because we said <gasps> that, right? Oh, I can't so. wait. I'm so, okay, can I tell you, we've never gotten – I joked about hate mail, but uh, I was lying – We've, I never once have gotten like a hate message on Insta or oh, man. like a mean review. over by me for a I little know, bit. I <laughs> know, but then I'm thinking like, what am I doing wrong? So <laughs> can I ask a question about the whole sugar thing? Like when you're having a PET scan, like they tell you to, I mean, you clearly are not supposed to have sugar or carbs before a PET scan, because that's basically the chemical that they inject you with. And in order to see, you know, where your cancer is. So that I'm just trying to like wrap my brain around it. Like if cancer doesn't like sugar, then how, why do they, how do, huh? That's a great – that's a really good question. Right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot, a lot of people ask that, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And 
so really the PET scan, that's kind of based off of a, of a discovery from a doc in the 1930s, which I'm sure you've heard about. It's called the Warburg effect. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this doc, Dr. Warburg, he discovered that cancer cells are really bad at growing. Like they're really inefficient at growing. Mm-hmm. So they need way more sugar, way more glucose in order to grow when you compare them to healthy cells. Okay. okay. So what a PET scan does is we give you like a bolus of glucose and then the cancer on the scan lights up mm-hmm. right. as it's like starting to be metabolically active on that scan. Okay. okay. But other areas of your body light up too, right? Like your brain lights up on a PET scan. Absolutely. So PET scans are great at looking for things in the brain because mm-hmm. your brain uses a lot of glucose too. Mm-hmm. Okay. But where people go wrong is they take the leap between cancer uses a lot of sugar to grow. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if I stop eating sugar, my cancer will stop growing. Oh, I get you. That's right. That's where the problem comes. That's there's no proof that that's true because what happens is when we stop eating sugar, like your brain still functions, right? Yeah. Like right. we know that, right? So your body is finding other ways to give those cells fuel. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what you choose to do, like your body is going to sustain your life, okay? Right. It's going to try its best to keep you alive keep your brain functioning. And that means your cancer cells are along for that ride too. Right. So they're going to have access to the same reserves that your brain gets that all your other cells get to. Right. And similarly, there are literature articles on people who take kind of an excess of supplements, Hmm. Mm -hmm. thinking that it will kind of prevent recurrence or help. And certainly supplements help. Like I take a calcium supplement because, you know, the lack of estrogen in my body so that I don't get cancer again is depleting my bones of calcium. So I take that. I take fish oil because I want my skin to be glowing. But also that's good in heart health. But they have looked at these studies where people take like an excess, like like 500, you know, percent of a certain supplement. And the thing is that also feeds your cancer because Mm -hmm. cancer Mm -hmm. eats first. So whatever Mm -hmm. you take Mm -hmm. in, that cancer is going to get theirs first. And this is why, you know, a sudden and unexplained weight loss can be attributed often to cancer because yeah, fair. you're not yeah, fair. you're not effectively using nutrients, any nutrient. So, I mean, you can anything feeds cancer. Mm-hmm, Fresh, yeah. you know, whole grains and fiber feeds cancer. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. good fats feed cancer. Like it, yeah. it all it's going to eat, you know. Yeah. But so, like, I I'm would really say happy about the sugar when I say sugar doesn't feed cancer, mm-hmm. what people often take away from that is that I'm telling people to go and have ice cream and donuts and just like load up on yeah. all the sugar, right? Mm-hmm. And that's of like, course, of course, that's what they hear, right? <laughs> like, obviously not, right? We know no. that a diet that's high and just empty calories and sugar that's not going to serve you for any purpose, right? No. Right. Yeah. But what we know now, what we see from literature now, is that unfortunately these food rules that are pushed on cancer survivors, mm-hmm. they're actually causing women who have never had a history of an eating disorder, they're oh, actually developing no. eating disorders after cancer. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. We have like good literature now to show that there's an uptick in that. I can see that. And how how unfair, mm-hmm. right? That's so unfair. I can see that. Really? Mm. 
<sighs> yeah. Okay. I hate that. I hate that. So I think the point is just like it's safe and you're safe eating it. So if you want to have an ice cream cone on July long weekend, if you want to have a piece of pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving, <sighs> like yes. you are safe in your body doing that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And also every other nutritional guideline that we also know, independent of cancer, applies, which right. is fresh fruits and vegetables and yeah. whole grains and less processed yeah. foods. And like, yeah. I think sometimes we hyper-focus and we think that we can exist in a silo mm. and, yeah. and you have to take it all in. It's nuanced. It's not, it's not extreme. Like we, we go to extreme mm-hmm. places and with we things do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's we do. a way to take back control. And I yeah. relate to that. Yeah. And also resist. Well, yeah. I mean, um, when somebody gives you a cancer diagnosis, you feel like you've lost control. Yes. And then, you know, after treatment, you are like forcing yourself to do everything you can to like not allow that to happen again. And I can totally see where like some things become even more obsessive because yeah. the effort to not have a recurrence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's definitely things you can do to help reduce your risk of recurrence, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Without a doubt, there are things you can do that are in, within your control. Mm-hmm. Completely and totally abstaining from sugar is just not going to get you that result. So let's just then refocus your energy into other areas. Right. Speaking of... You have a program, and I'm just wondering, can I afford it? (laughs) And do I have to, like, you already said you're not going to take my booze away, but, like, do I have to exercise every day? Like, what's the what's the program? What is it? I yeah, I I get. Let me tell you, I get nervous. I get I get nervous when people like have a a thing. Yeah. Well, I would say, okay, so to your first point, can you afford it? So mm. I think what each of us are willing to invest in our health mm-hmm. is different, right? Uh, yeah. So what one person is willing to invest in their health may be very different than what another person is. I think yes. like in terms of the program itself, I've tried to put something together that I know is going to get women the results that they're looking for. Okay. So we do like – three pillars essentially in the program. So we dive into nutrition. So using that to minimize your side effects and help you stay cancer-free. We also dive into exercise or movement. So that's the most effective strategy to lower your risk of occurrence. So we want to use that in a really targeted way, which doesn't mean hours of cardio and it doesn't mean seven days a week. Okay. I love that face you just made. (laughs) I'm getting hot just talking about this, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. I'm making you anxious. Okay. And then the last piece is mindset. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about mindsets, that that's what I say, what's happening to you right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm overwhelmed already. I'm triggered because you're feeling anxious about what I'm talking about with these changes. Yes. Your mindset's actually triggered you to get hot or have a hot flush, hot flash, right? Yes. And it's that mindset piece that we know women that have higher anxiety levels or higher stress, higher fight or flight, Mm -hmm. they have three times the number of hot flashes. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. 
So if I can shift your mindset, I can bring your hot flashes down, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. That's really what we focus on in the program is using those key pillars to get you side effect free and help you reduce your risk of That's awesome. That's nice. I love talking to cancer survivors. Cool. Like if you just have a question, if you just want to get to know me, like that – fills me with energy. So if you want to chat, like send me a message. That's awesome. That is awesome. We're going to revisit all of this at the end, but before we get there, very importantly, uh, to close out, could you just like give me a rundown of your skincare routine, please? Like what's (laughs) going on here? And I'm being the most serious I've ever been in my life like what oh my god what are you doing what's going on oh bless you for asking me that I honestly I feel like this is something I have not really like appreciated about myself as much as I probably should wow you should I know I'm starting to see people asking me about that all the time I could totally pivot into just having like a skincare makeup like page as well. Yeah. Get some of those yeah. endorsements. Get some free product. Yeah. God. Right? Right. Yes. I I'm afraid I'm gonna disappoint you. Okay. Okay. Oh no. Because it's natural. <laughs> I'm worried. Like I will honest to God tell you, my skin cleanser is as it's like drugstore, whatever you can get. Really? It's not, it's not. For me, it's not about the cleanser. It's I'll give you the more digestible information first, and okay. then we'll go to the less digestible one. Okay. The what has really helped with my skin is I wear sunscreen 365 every single day, no matter yeah. what. Like it's it because like look it, you know, Jocelyn, you're yeah. you know here I am a little fair. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Lauren, I feel like you may be able to tolerate more sun exposure. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 I am yeah. sun fearing. As okay. a ginger, you are like a vampire. Okay. Yes. You know that you do not agree with the sun. It just hurts Facts. if you're out there too much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I wear sunscreen 365. It doesn't matter if it's so cold. I wear sunscreen. Okay. okay. All the time. So I do that. Now, the last digestible part to this is that skincare really comes from within. Mm-hmm. So we have to fix what you're fueling your body with first. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like how you're eating. Yep. Because, hey, like if I – there's times where I travel and, yeah, I've been to Italy. Like put some I know it on some bread. And yeah. then when I get home – like things are not the same, right? <laughs> so that that's the last component to that. I'd say has yeah. has been like you got to start from within. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm into serums myself. Yeah. Retinol, acids. <laughs> um, totally. SkinCeuticals is my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Multiple eye patches. Like I wake up uh-huh. in the morning. I spritz my face. I put more moisturizer on because it's all come off on my pillow. And then I put eye patches on and I go to my reading chair. If I'm not working, if I'm working, I was just going to say, you have time to do all of that. Yes, Lauren. Terrible. Because I don't have children. (laughs) You and Amy both, you got those kids. Yeah. I know. I just, I don't, and you still look good though. How do you have time? 
I it's messy. It's messy around here. I'm not uh, gonna lie. It is. It is messy around here. Yeah. I feel that too. Yeah. Yeah. When you said you'd gone to Italy, because I watched your like, I was I was all up in your Instagram account. We need to seriously study the correlation between trips to Europe and getting mm. cancer because <laughs> I feel like so many stories are like I was like for me I was planning a trip to Europe, got mm-hmm. cancer. Or, like, you came back from a trip and then I feel like there's some kind of... Mm. No. There's not. There's no. not. There's not. But you know, see I'm how like, you can do it I, in your head? Yeah. When I was working um, more in the cancer clinic yeah. setting, what what I was noticing were we would have this dip in people getting diagnosed in December. So fewer oh. people get diagnosed in December more people were getting diagnosed in January. And it wasn't that people don't get cancer in December. Mm-hmm. Right. It's that people say, oh, I, I feel something here, but I think I'm just going to wait until Christmas is over. Because mm, I've got, know, got all this family, going on. Got the, yeah. And that is probably nothing. Yeah. So let me just wait until January. So I think like, even though I feel like for myself, that's not necessary. Well, no, maybe that's what, what I was doing. Because I was mm-hmm. getting symptoms of like heartburn or acid reflux. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? We just got married. It's been a stressful time. Right. Of I'm course. I'm sure that was just what it was. Not cancer. Right. Not true. <laughs> Twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is there one thing that we haven't covered that you just want to like leave everyone with or that you wanted to make sure that you get across? I think the one thing we haven't touched on is we hear this term thrown around in the cancer space quite often of this is your new normal, hmm. right? Like this yeah. is your quote unquote new normal. Uh-huh. Fuck that. Yeah, we hear that and a lot. <laughs> I really like – I honestly, I feel like this, the hair is standing up on the back of my neck mm-hmm. even as I say it out yeah. loud. Yes. Because it's just not true. It's like a term of complacency, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like just just accept it. Your life is forever changed. You'll never be the same. You'll be a shell of the person you once were. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But it's like it's not true. Like the women I work with, like yesterday I, I was on a group call for the Cancer Freedom Program and two of the women on that call said that they're stronger now. They're stronger. They're more fit. They're more active Mm -hmm. after cancer. You can be the healthiest version of yourself that you have ever been. And for some women, I know if you're in like the thick of it with the side effects or if you're fearful of recurrence or if you're in a recurrence even, then you just think that's not possible for me, right? That's like too many steps beyond where I am right now. It's not possible for me. But but it is. Mm-hmm. Like if you want that future, then the people that are telling you new normal, like just run. Just run in the opposite direction. Yeah. The people that tell you like post-mastectomy, you'll, you'll never be able to do a push-up. Like that's a total lie. That's a, that's that's a, a bold-faced lie. I can't do a push-up because I'm weak, not because yeah. I had a mastectomy. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. And Lauren, how many yeah. push-ups can you do? 30. Mm-hmm. What the right? fuck? Okay, Lauren, you're already in a program. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I need to be in hers. 
Yeah, well, we okay. might all need to be in hers. Um, in conclusion, Dr. Amy, thank you, thank so, you so much. much. Yeah. So much for being thank here. I feel like thank you. I learned so much. You can follow her at Dr. Amy Morris with two R's, not Dramy Morris, which is where my Dramie mind Morris. goes, <laughs> on Instagram. What about your TikTok? TikTok's the same. Yeah, same. same with YouTube. YouTube's yep. the same. It's email same. her. Where can they email you? Yeah, Dr. Amy, D-R-A-M-Y, at cancerfreedomprogram.com. I love awesome. it. Yeah, get into it. Check out the program. You know, she's not going to take your away your wine and your cake, but you are going to have to do push-ups, which is <laughs> fine. She'll walk you through it. It's not going to be as bad as you think it is. Yes. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for everyone who already has. Follow us on Instagram at Breast Cancer is Boring. I'll try and post more. Or send us an email. Or send us an email. I forget we have email. We have email. Breast Cancer is Boring at gmail.com. I will also answer your emails. Yeah, and that could be really random, so you should try that because God only knows how I will respond. Anyway, thank you for listening. Tell all your friends. Goodbye. That sounded like a question. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye. <laughs>